am Jackie Miller, certified divorce coach and consultant and host of this podcast, Out of Crazy Town, your guide to divorcing a narcissist. Caroline Pack is joining me today to talk about finances and divorce. This is such an important and complicated topic in many divorces, and she brings a unique perspective as a wealth manager, certified divorce financial analyst, and divorce mediator. This episode is a must listen as we discuss the many important financial issues that come up in divorce. Okay. Welcome, Caroline Pack. Thank you so much for joining me today on Out of Crazy Town, your guide to divorcing a narcissist. Hi, Jackie. Thank you so very much for having me on your show. I'm so happy you're here because when it comes to divorce and finances, you cannot have enough information. There's so much information. Yes. So much information. I mean, even for me, as somebody who's been in finance for almost 20 years, I learn something new all the time. Every, I bet, because every divorce is so different. They all have different personalities. And so before we get too much more into that, I want to tell folks a little bit more about your background. You mentioned you've been in finance for almost 20 years. You are the founder of Foundations Divorce Solutions, and you're also a mediator in addition to being a certified divorce financial analyst, otherwise known as a CDFA, right? Okay. Which is an awesome combination. And it's another reason I'm really glad to have you on the show today, because just giving everyone another perspective from a mediator's standpoint, but you started your career in finance as a personal banker. And for the last 10 years, you've been working with wealth management teams, comprehensive managing their clients' portfolios, as well as working through life transitions and preparing for future legacies. I love that future legacies. Yes, I definitely did start my financial background in the banking world, you know, working one-on-one with clients, starting off with something as small as how to budget and start saving money, how to, you know, look through their checkbooks and fill out a register, something as simple as that. Absolutely. We're not taught that in school, right? We're not. Uh, I've worked with teenagers even over the years, helping them with their very first accounts. I bet. I've talked to my own daughters about it. Yeah. Because they, I mean, they have no clue. One's turning 17 tomorrow and yeah, she doesn't really know how a checking account works. (laughs) Yeah. Again, it's not something that's taught. You know, I've sat with friends' children, you know, when they got their first job to say, okay, so what do you do with this money? You're still living at home. You have no bills. This is the time that you get to start your financial education and life. That This is where you could set the right, right foundation and build your wealth. Absolutely. And you're like, what? How do I do that? It's, well, it's always been fun. So that transitions right into divorce because, and I'll just throw myself in this category, many of the stay at home or non-working or non-earning parents, if that's the way your family's been set up, has not had a lot of eyes on the finances. And so post-divorce, we are in this brand new world of reacquainting ourselves with our checking accounts and our budgets. And it's the first step, right? I, the budgeting is huge. Any of my clients that I'm working with, especially the non-CFO spouse, we look through the budget over and over again. Let's be real. When you're not used to living on a budget, it's something foreign and it takes time and practice. Right. And, and it's hard work. It's yeah. not easy. It's not fun. No. But it's, it's always nice to have somebody alongside you to say, hey, let's look at this. How about this? I was just going to say it makes all the difference in the world. And actually, I want to backtrack a little bit yeah. because I want to know how you did end up in the divorce world, going from sort of the banking scene yeah. and become a certified divorce financial analyst. 
us? So in our wealth management practice, we've had a lot of clients who've either gone through divorce, you know, what we're going through divorce within our practice or have come to us post-divorce. And one client in particular, she came post-divorce. She was the non-CFO spouse. And, you know, she lives in the same town as Bill Gates, the same, you know, neighborhood called Medina, where Bill and Melinda Gates live. Okay. So she was used to living a certain lifestyle and didn't realize that post-divorce that the lifestyle was going to have to change. Mm. Nobody sat with her to say, okay, what does your budget look like? This is how much is coming in. This is how much is going out. And because she was living outside of her budget, she was having to call and ask for money. Well, when you're under 59 and a half, there's a couple of taxes you end up paying. One is the pre-penalty for taking out money out of your retirement account. And then the other one is income. Whatever you take out of your retirement, you have to claim as income. Wow. And she wasn't withholding any of the taxes. So it was just like step after step, I, my heart just broke. It sounds like a triple whammy in the it, negative column. For exactly. For somebody who was used to living a really good life, nobody on her litigation team, on her divorce team ever just sat down to say, hey, so this is what we're looking at in terms of settlement. This is what the budget's going to look like post. And it, if we keep up with the lifestyle that you're currently used to on what we have, this is where we're going to end up. And you just said something so important because I myself did have a CDFA, which I sort of stumbled on because it was a friend who had become one. Oh my, I cannot imagine going through my divorce without one. Yeah. Many examples like the one you just gave, there are so many pitfalls financially. And so tell me why you think that the you know CDFA is a good role on the divorce team. You know, let's be honest. We all have our specialties. You know, even in, in my practice as a mediator and as a CDFA in my divorce practice, I can't wear all the hats. I am not a litigator. I am not a divorce coach. I, I have people around me. I, you know, Jackie, you're one of the divorce coaches that I send many of my clients to because a divorce coach is essential when you're going through a divorce. As with somebody who understands finance is essential. You know, whether it's somebody who can look at your budget and be like, okay, if we divide the assets this way, this is how much money you're going to get every single month. But, you know, if you're getting $5,000 in spousal maintenance, which is sometimes considered pretty high mm -hmm. and you've never worked and your rent every month is 6,000 right there. Like we got an issue there, right? Yeah. yeah. So to have somebody sit down and say, Hey, let's look at how the asset division looks, what your short-term, your midterm, your long-term financial situation looks like, how much you're going to have to make in addition to the spousal maintenance in order to keep your current lifestyle, just to be able to have a, a frank conversation, right? Say, okay. Is this going to work for you? If it's not going to work, how do we adjust your budget or how do we ask for more? Where is that balance? And I'm you're right. Putting all that work in up front, it's painful at first because is, yeah. you haven't done it. You don't have the information and you yeah. cannot believe all the teeny tiny things you spend money on every day that add up. And you CDFAs have awesome tips and tricks for, for helping clients. Have you seen a shift in confidence or power that clients sort of have once they have the knowledge? You know, I think 
just that assurance that they're going to be okay, especially if they've been on like a medium term or a long term marriage, just know that once the paperwork is signed and their divorce is final, that they're not going to be lost, that they're going to be okay, that they're they're not alone. Is so true because how big is the unknown factor a part of the fear? 100%? 100%. 100%. 100%. A thousand percent. Thousand percent. Fear of the unknown. Yeah. How is this going to play out? How am I going to live? How am, am I going to, you know, what does it look like after? Yeah. And you get to help with that because really at the end of the day, and of course, you know, I have lots of other podcasts about the custody side. We know that there's that piece, but when it comes to the finances, I mean, it's either waking up sick to your stomach because you just don't know. Or you're just sick to your stomach through the entire divorce because you're not sure, right? I mean, one of the things that I tell all my clients who are starting to enter the divorce realm is as amicable as your divorce may be, it is still a marathon. Yep. That there are days where you're just going to want to quit, but we have to strengthen ourselves. We have to exercise these muscles that we weren't used to exercising. We have to get our cheerleading squad together to help us and encourage us. We have to put our team together to make sure that each team member knows exactly what they're doing Mm. and help you and support you and walk you through some of the steps when you just feel like you want to crawl. Absolutely. Just sit down and say, I'm done. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And, And it's, so there are potential tax ramifications, like the example that you gave that, you know, the, uh, in the way that you settle, or, you know, like you said, if you just, you're using a retirement account as a checking account, you know, but, and you just don't understand. And then there's the division of the assets and the debts. I think people forget the debts. You know, it's, at least in the state of Washington, we are a community property state. And so basically everything that's earned and spent any debt, it's community property. Mm. You get to divide it up. You know, how do we now divide it up so that there's minimal shifts and movements back and forth into each other's columns? You know, one of the things that a lot of people who don't know finance will be like, okay, it's 50-50. Every account gets split 50-50. Well, is that the best scenario for our clients? If there are retirement accounts and we're splitting them 50-50 versus saying, you know, can one person keep the whole of one versus another? And then depending on, is it a employer sponsored retirement plan that now needs what's called a quadro or a qualified domestic relations order, which basically every time you draw one up is added money that the clients have to pay out. Absolutely. Okay. We, can we go off on this tangent? Can we talk about more about what a quadro is? I didn't know what it was. Most of my clients that I work with, if they're at the beginning stages of it, you know, I'll say, ask your attorney, your CDFA about this. Yeah. Explain to us what it even is. So basically on employer-sponsored retirement accounts, certain ones under ERISA, you need to have a an order outside of the divorce decree to say the assets are going to get split this way. And you submit it to the employer, to your HR department. And then from there, they help distribute to your, to you or to your ex, you know, depending on who's receiving. Okay. The minimal amount of movement that you could do is going to be the best for both parties. Cause you know, quadros can cost like a thousand bucks each. 
Okay. And so, and you said something very important outside of the divorce decree. So we're talking about hiring someone to your thousand dollar point to draw, to drop this other order. Okay. So most custodial firms say like a Schwab or a Wells Fargo advisors, Merrill Lynch, if it's an IRA, they do not require what's called a quadro. Okay. But if it's your 401k, if it's, you know, a pension, those all require a quadro. Okay. And yeah. if you somehow get through the process and there's been a mistake made and one isn't drawn up, what happens? You're just not able to get maybe the asset that was owed you or what What are the ramifications? Well, I'm hoping that the attorney will recognize that one needs to be done and that the divorce is amicable enough that if it wasn't drawn, that there's room to have one drawn up. Okay. Like an amendment could be agreed to to have one drawn up because with that one, the employer is not going to release the money. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They need that order to release the money. Yeah. And there's a timing factor as well. Oh, you want to get it done as soon as possible because what if something happened and your ex-spouse passed without Mm. you executing the quadro? And what if they remarried Mm. and you're in a community property state? guess what? The new spouse gets the retirement accounts. And guess who knows all this stuff, you guys, your CDFA. (laughs) So go find one. Um, You know, when I was on your website, Mm -hmm. you mentioned something. And speaking of website, um, tell everybody what your website is, please. It is foundationsdivorcesolutions.com. Foundationsdivorcesolutions.com. And you have a great, you know, blog page. And one thing I was reading on there that you had mentioned was protecting your support with life insurance. And I was like, oh, what? tell me about that. So sometimes with spousal maintenance, depending on how long you're supposed to receive it, if you're going through, say, a gray divorce and you guys are older, you don't know. You just don't know when our life, mm-hmm. right? Yes. The older we get, the riskier it gets that we're yeah. around on this earth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you do have a life, life insurance policy, you know, and you're the beneficiary, say you're the one receiving the spousal support and you're the beneficiary of this life, life insurance policy in the case, you know, your ex-spouse passes, you are now covered that that spousal support is still guaranteed for so long. Brilliant. Okay. Because, yeah. uh, you know, settlements obviously take so many forms and, um, you know, you, there's a buyout option, which your CDFA can also pencil out and you could talk about that, you know, obviously, and there's a support option. So I thought that was really worth mentioning. Yeah. Um, yeah. That if you're really counting on that support and, but you're worried about the person supplying the support, <laughs> you know, what happens if they go away, um, they pass. Yeah. Okay. Many states, if you've been married for what's considered the long-term marriage, you know, over 30 years, you get lifetime support. Think about the baby boomers, you know, in their seventies now. Yeah. They decided in their golden years, they're, they're done. They're, they're okay to move on and divorce, but let's be real back in the fifties and sixties, wives didn't work seventies, eighties, even right. A lot I've stayed home and took care of the kids. They don't have the career to fall back on. They don't have, they've never had the income. So now all they're living off of is most likely their ex-husband's pension, a portion Mm -hmm. of it, or a portion of their social security, because their social security is greater than what 
you know, they would have made because again, they didn't earn an income. Gotcha. Well, in order to keep that lifetime supply of income coming, a life insurance policy may be an option. Okay. Yeah. And so CDFA is, is definitely an important part of what you do, but you have also started mediating. I shouldn't say started. You are a mediator. How did that happen? So, you know, there are many ways to get divorced. Um, you, the litigation that everybody knows, you hire your divorce attorneys and you go to court. You have what's called collaborative divorce where, you know, you agree to collaborate with your ex-spouse's legal team so that you guys can come together with agreements. Um, if you're in a an amicable situation, sometimes you don't need to hire the attorneys. There's what's called a pro se divorce where it's the do it yourself. Sure. Sometimes you could hire a mediator to come and help you negotiate some of the yeses, some of the agreements, and who wanted a financial neutral. Somebody I didn't have to take sides with, but to say, hey, based on your finances, based on where you guys are at as a couple, I understand you no longer want to be married, but let's make sure that we do right by both of you. Mm -hmm. Let's do what's fair for both of you. It might not be the ideal win. You know, if you're coming into mediation thinking that you're going to, you know, pull one over on your spouse, mediation is not the place. A mediator who's also a financial uh, analyst can help you look at how to best separate your assets. Also look through, you know, the spousal maintenance aspect and come to a negotiation that feels good for both parties. Mm -hmm. One of my biggest goals every time I work with a couple is if they have children, I always remind them it's not just about your divorce. It's about this family that you have. And no matter whether you're divorced, remarried or what, you're still going to be family because you have kids together. Absolutely. And, you know, in, in a, an arena where costs can spiral out yeah. of control when spiral. you have, I often see clients, like I said, who have maybe a custody component of their divorce, which is very, very heated. But yeah. the financial part, like not so much. Yeah. You know, they'll say, well, like, well, I, you know, I do know what we have. I do know what we're, I don't think he or she's hiding anything. I know. Take whatever component you can and go mediate it. Right. <laughs> and keep that, you know, if you, the momentum, there's. Right? Yeah. The momentum of the yeses. Once, once you get the first yes and the second yes is, it comes easier and easier to the point where, yes, if there are custody issues, by the time you've already knocked out all the assets, mm -hmm. the stress level has gone down. And then you could talk about the kids. And then you can talk about the kids. But, you know, I think a lot of people don't know that. Like, yes, separate it. You can and get whatever part of your divorce done that you can. If there's yeah. any sliver of hope that, you know, yeah. you guys can communicate on this, you're going to save time, money, stress. All of the above, right? Yeah. I mean, just the negativity surrounding divorce, if you could take any of that negativity out, it helps with the kids. Kids aren't taking on that negative energy, the anxiety, the the whatever angst, sure. you know, each parent might be carrying or whatever side comments that might be thrown at one another, mm -hmm. like all of that goes down. Sure. Yeah. And with a good mediator, right? Um, hopefully <laughs> helping with, yeah. in that arena as well. Where do you see folks get stuck when they're in mediation? What's the biggest? Oh, you know, sometimes I think when they talk to everyone, 
everybody around them. When they talk to all their friends who went through divorce, you know, and their friends say, well, I got this based on this and I got this based on this, or, you know, they'll put out questions into a forum to say, how about this? How much should I get for this? And so, Mm. well, when you're mediating, it's not about in court, you could ask for this because let's be real. If you're asking for that far end, the other side's going to take it to the other end. And then the attorneys on an hourly billable, you know, basis will Mm -hmm. try to meet in the middle to come back to that same agreement, essentially. And now you've just spent tens of thousands of dollars. Well, and I also sort of explain to people, and again, I'm not an attorney, so, but what I see, and I say, please talk to your attorney about this, people just say like, oh, I'll just do it in court. Like like court is just a place you can schedule an appointment and go. It doesn't work like that. All of the steps that happen in between And by the way, that hole in between costs a lot of money. And then to prepare for court is a probably one of the most, the biggest costs. And then yes, the daily hourly rate you're paying to sit in the courtroom. But so the amount of money spent to get to court before anything's decided is massive. It's massive. Just the retainer fee alone to file paperwork, it's right around $10,000. Yeah. Per party. It, it's not just one party. It's per party. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, per party. Yeah. And on top of that, when you hire an attorney, it's not just the attorney you're hiring. You're hiring their associate. You're hiring their paralegal. You have to pay for the team. So one email to the team is how much in billable hours now. Right. Even though the email might have been a two-minute email. Absolutely, because your attorney might be 350, but their associate's 250, but and their assistant is 150. So right. I, I mean, do boom, the math. Boom, it, boom, boom. Yeah, you didn't pay but just your attorney's hourly, right? You paid everybody's. Exactly. It's you know, it, and that's where mediation, like so in the state of Washington, you are required to go through what's called an ADR, an alternative dispute resolution, whether it's mediation, arbitration. So you have to do that prior yes. to going to trial. Thank you for bringing that up. Go ahead, please. So to, to have to sit with a mediator anyhow, why not start off with mediation? See, as you said, how much can you knock out? And then the contentious portions, then work through with a litigator if you have to, but everything else is set, right? Yep. You don't have to revisit all of that. You're right. And most states require a couple to try mediation as part. It's just part at one step in the flow chart. I say, just look yeah. up your state's flow chart for divorce and you'll see it right in there. Um, so you're right. You're right. I mean, if there's any part of your divorce, yeah. you can get done in there. I agree. I agree. So what is the craziest thing you've seen in your mediations, Caroline? Oh, you know, I, I think when spouses want to hide assets and they get creative about hiding assets, uh, I, again, I'm pretty particular in the type of clientele that I take on as mediation clients. Sure. If they are, you know, remotely contentious, I will say, hey, it's probably better for you to hire attorneys. Um, so within my own mediation practice, it hasn't been bad. The way that my mediation style is, it's called shuttle mediation. Okay. I, any divorce situation is no matter how amicable, it's still stressful. As a mediator, as a financial person, I don't want to be the one to add to their stress. I want to help them say yes mm-hmm. and come to agreement. So 
For me, I think mentally and emotionally, my clients or clients in general have a a time span of maybe two hours max. Beyond that, everybody's brains are fried. Right. Emotions are high. It's hard to think clearly. Yeah. So I will do what's called the shuttle mediation where we're not all in the same room trying to hash things out. I meet with each spouse one-on-one to say, okay, what are you looking for? What options do you see? I'll go back to the other spouse and say, hey, so based on this, you know, your spouse is asking for X, Y, Z. How do you feel about that? Well, okay to this, no to that. How about this instead for that? So we get to work a little bit together and then I go back to the other spouse. And when the other party isn't there watching, they can be real. They can be honest. Mm -hmm. Whereas if they were all in the same room, they might not feel the freedom to actually express what they truly want to and need to. Divorce is real. Divorce is hard and it's final. So when we negotiate, we want to make sure that we bring everything to the table that we can. The freedom to be able to say something that might be offensive to the other party. Absolutely. And I always say, because this applies to divorce coaching as well, Mm -hmm. you have to talk through this stuff. Mm-hmm. There's no way around it. Yeah. I can't, we can't just jump on a call and three minutes later, we've arrived at X decision, just as you cannot, like on a financial side, we have to talk all the way through it. And then when you've arrived at a decision, you feel good about it because you've explored yes. all of these things. You've looked at the bad, you've looked at the good. Um, and so there's no way around it. You have to talk through it. And you've also met your emotions, whether it's anger or it's sadness, you know, divorce, whether it's your decision to ask for the divorce or not, you still go through the grief process. And when you're looking at you know, if you've been married for five years, 10 years, 20 or 30, it doesn't matter. It took that long to build a dream. Yeah. But now you're working to undo that dream, undo the hope, yeah. undo everything that you have built your identity, your hope, your life on. It's going to take time to undo and you get to be sad over it. Right. When you're looking at the assets you've accrued together and now you're looking at separating them. Yeah. I want to give my clients time to say, this really sucks. Yeah. I can't believe we're here and we'll get through it and we'll make our decisions, but I just need a moment. Right. You know, and to push through like an eight hour mediation, it's hard to give clients that moment. Yeah. Whereas once our time is done, they get to now go and sit, whether they're journaling, meeting with their divorce coach or the therapist, they get to spend the time that they need to be like, okay, I'm okay. And there you go. We have just circled back to budget, for instance, because you cannot sit there and make a decision that you can live with unless you know what you need Exactly. when you start. And you know, even in high conflict situations, when I talk to people, I, I still say you have to sit with your CDFA and really, really, really figure out what you need need because you'll never know in that decision. You have, that has to be your starting point. You know, whatever your family situation is, or okay, I'm going to be good. I'm comfortable or okay. I've got what I need. I'm going to have to make a little more, even if it's maybe not your best case scenario, knowing is better than not knowing. And it's the only way you're going to be able to make a decision. You know, one of the things that I talk over with my clients is, look, if you've been a stay-at-home mom and your spouse was the only one working, 
you're going from a one income household supporting one family unit to now two households. Things don't go that far. Lifestyle changes need to be made on both sides. And that's where, yeah, when you said go over the budget and go over it again, go over it again, you're right. You really need to figure out what's in the must have column and what's in the nice to have column. Exactly. Yeah. And for right now, we just got a table column. Some stuff's going to have to move to the nice to have column for now, Jessica. It's just the reality. But the awesome thing is you will have this new life ahead of you, regardless of the reason for your divorce, right? Um, Something, in fact, I like to ask all of my guests Mm -hmm. is, and I wanted to ask you, what do people have to look forward to on the other side when this gets all tied up and finished? You know, and it depends on the marriage, right? Some marriages, they just realize over time it's not the right fit, or this isn't really quite what I signed up for. Or it might be a domestic violence situation. And they're like, I got to get out of Dodge. Yeah. You know, so each person I think is a little bit different. But as you know, being a divorce coach, one of the things that all of my divorce coaches, you know, ask their clients is, where do you want to see yourself post-divorce? How do you imagine your life to be? You know, wh- whether it's a factor to help them have that endurance, some some hope to hold on to mm-hmm. as they're going through that marathon stage of going through a divorce or to know, you know what, life is going to be good. I, I'm going to have agency in my own life to make it better and do the things I want to have the, the type of life that I desire to have or start that career or go back to school, whatever it is you get a fresh slate. Yes. You get to start by building your dream again, you know, and, and knowing that you could bring people around you to help support you in that life that you desire. Absolutely. You just don't even know what you're capable of, you know? Oh, right. Yeah. Don't know. And often after going through, um, you know, really difficult times, there is often a lot of personal growth that happens in such a positive way, right? Yeah. yeah. I encourage all of my clients to seek out a divorce coach to walk through the day-to-day steps, right? Whether it's to enter into mediation the day of, to just get focused, to know, okay, these are the things that I do want to go over in mediation today. Mm-hmm. These are the things that I really am firm about. And these are things that I am okay to negotiate. Or okay. these are things I don't care. He can have it. She can yeah. have it, right? But to, to work with somebody in the present, but then also to have a therapist to help with working through some of the traumas, some of the patterns that have been created over years. Yes. Learn to shift those so that you can have a different life post-divorce because nothing sucks more than to keep the same patterns you did when you were married post-divorce. Right. Right. How do you now creatively, kindly shift those patterns and have a new, different relationship as co-parents or, you know, ex-spouses versus we're stuck in this marriage. So, yes. And, you know, one of my favorite things to do as a divorce coach, 
when, uh, you know, the opportunity arises is taking a lot of these sort of fears and turning them into, no, this is an opportunity. You now get to do this, or it is this way. So you're going to, but this is the silver lining of that, you know, and it, because it is hard when you're sort of been stuck in the negative, you know, going through the divorce process, but there are so many things that truly are opportunities um, that may not seem like it at first. Yeah. You know, I, one of my clients that I'm working with, it wasn't his choice to get divorced and I am having to work with him to say, okay, I know it sucks right now, but how do you envision life after? And his thing was, you know, I thought when we retired, we were going to go get ourselves an RV and go do trips. I said, so who says you can't do that? Mm-hmm. Post-divorce. Why don't we look at budgeting an RV into your near future? Wow. Whether it's five years from now or 10 years from now. You know, why, why don't we talk about how you may envision your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the divorce isn't something you wanted, but I don't know if you're going to meet somebody new. Right. Right. I don't know how your life is going to shift, but if you've always wanted to get an RV and you wanted always to get a boat to go fishing, who says you can't? And that is so profound because you just, again, took that situation and now he's looking ahead and looking forward. And that's really what it's all about is, is now reminding folks you get to look forward and futuring, looking forward, having things to look forward to are, for me, it's how I get out of bed in the morning. You know, it's one of the major components. And so um, just keeping sight of the fact that you've probably lost some of that ability going through this emotional situation. And so I love that example. That is, that is fantastic. That's a perfect example. I think this is where having the right divorce team is essential because you need each, each person within your divorce team has to be your cheerleader, has to be your encourager, has to be the person to say, there's hope at the end of this. I know it's hard right now, but there's hope at the end of this. Mm-hmm. And post-divorce, depending on your financial situation, it might be a little bit difficult and it might be a little, a lot of adjusting, mm-hmm. but we have hope we can get through this. You know, if you've never worked and now you need to look at, okay, how do I get a job? What, what do I do? Mm-hmm. We have people within our circles who can help you in career coaching yep. or life coaching, right? It's like, how do we connect the right people to our clients so that they can easily walk through again, probably one of their most difficult moments. Absolutely. I know people say that like death is probably harder than divorce, but I think divorce is harder than death. Ooh, mine was. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. It's a little levity there, but um, you are absolutely right. I lost my mother when I was young to cancer. I was 14 years old. It, w- it was awful. There were nights I laid in bed during my divorce and I said, this is actually worse. I never thought that thought would ever cross my mind. I think so. with death, it's final. Yeah. Right. They're really your mom. And I'm really sorry that you lost your mom to cancer at such a young age. There was nothing you could have done. Right. 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 Whereas with divorce, I think our, our brain starts to replay things and, and then you start to doubt and you start to wonder. And that's that downward spiral is so difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's final. Yes. There, There is no what ifs. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Well, Caroline, you also have a podcast. Yes. What is that? How do people find that? 
So it's called Build Your Foundation, and we are on YouTube, and I'm on all the social media channels. Um, you could find the videos also at the website at Foundations Divorce Solutions. You were a guest on my. <laughs> I know. I had to, I had to play dumb there for a minute. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yes, I just wanted to let everybody else know how to find you because you have such great information on your website, on your podcast. You are in the Seattle area. Seek out Caroline for information. Seek out her website. Um, you're just such an amazing resource. Again, I know I've told you in the past, but CDFAs, I don't know how people get through divorce without them. Um, it's such an essential part. And, and a lot of people don't even know they exist. So hopefully this is getting the word out. Yes. yes I yes. so appreciate that you are such an advocate for CDFAs and, and the essential need yeah. to have somebody with a financial eye helping. Because you know, I don't think we got to touch on it too much, but even the difference between say a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA yeah. and the tax ramifications, you know, if it's one IRA to the other, it's not the same. Right, right. Different IRAs. Well, and I didn't even know, to be honest with you, because we didn't have one, the IRA versus the the employer retirement, right? That requires the quadro. You know, one of the other things that I work with my clients, especially having come from the investment side, when you submit the paperwork for um, a non-retirement account, say you guys had uh, a joint brokerage account and you held different stocks. Well, depending on how you divide Divide up the stocks. If you don't divide it up based on cost basis of when you purchased it, one person may have a higher tax consequence than the other. Ah. Yeah. Something that the average person would not know. And when they submit the paperwork to split the assets, don't specify it. Right. So, you know, say uh, let's use Amazon or Microsoft for example, Mm -hmm. both companies here in the Seattle area, if you bought the stock when they first went public, you bought it for dirt cheap. Mm -hmm. Okay. But now, so Amazon, you know, say you bought it for 30 bucks way back when, and now it's worth what? 1800, that amount, the 30 bucks to the 1800 is what's called capital gains. You get taxed on that. Mm. So if one person took all the stock that was purchased at $30, when they sell it, now they get to pay the full capital gains amount. Whereas the other spouse, you know, all of their stock units were say 1500 and they sold it. The capital gains is only $300 difference, right? And that is such an amazing example because when you're sitting down, just looking at a spreadsheet and you, you have the stock amount on your side and has something else on their side and you're like, okay, look, it all looks good. I get this much. You get that much. hundred shares each. This is an after the fact, everything signed a little ways down the road. And then you're like, wait, what? Yeah. I got, I took the stock. So I have to pay what? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, who knows this? Your CDFA. (laughs) Get one. Essential. You know, 100 shares of Amazon stock on a regular brokerage account is not 100 shares of Amazon stock. Right. right yeah. Right. Each exactly. cost basis has a different ramifications for your taxes. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So much good information and there's so much more to know. And especially depending on your divorce, you just don't know until you ask. So Caroline Peck, thank you so much for joining me on Out of Crazy Town, your guide to divorcing a narcissist. I really appreciate you. <laughs> 
Oh, Jackie, thank you so very much. It has been an honor and a pleasure to join you today. Okay. Well, I look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.